Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast, a podcast looking back into the Jewish roots of our faith for the way forward in youth ministry discipleship. My name is Heather, and I'm a longtime youth ministry leader, lover of sweatpants, and then the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry. And I'm Mark, a longtime youth pastor, ancient studies nerd, and Star Wars aficionado. This podcast is part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey everyone, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Mark is MIA today, but in in lieu of Mark, I invited a special guest back on the show, Lois Taverberg. So Lois, welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast again. Thank you, Heather. Great Yay. to see you again. Yes, and Lois has a fancy microphone now that she's got for all her podcasting. So hopefully her voice sounds just as sharp as can be today. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Any deficits are not coming from the microphone. It's That's just right. me. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Well, so Lois, um, you just recently published an article about the Pharisees and it was kind of a different spin on the Pharisees that maybe we've villainized them to a degree that Jesus didn't really villainize them, right? It was this understanding that maybe we've had the wrong view of them. And I read the article and I was like, wow, this is really good. And I wanted to share it with our audience because I think in Western culture, we've been so steeped to believe that the Pharisees were these awful, terrible people whom Jesus felt the same way about. So tell us a little bit more like about your article, about the things that we should understand about the Pharisees as we're reading the Gospels, you know, considering that we come Mm -hmm. with a bias about the Pharisees already How should we be understanding the Pharisees when we're reading the Gospels? Okay, great question. Obviously, it must be a good question or I wasn't writing articles about it. Yes. One is my article. It's a British uh, uh, magazine called Premier Christianity. My article was about, yeah, it was called, Have We Misunderstood the Pharisees? Mm. And it talks about how... um, I started out by saying the word Pharisee and the and the adjective Pharisaical mm-hmm. is a word. Those words are not so much spoken but spat by Christian preachers. Yes. It's a really good preacher motif. Is that yeah. you want? To, and so I had a quote from a um, a a pastor who says, um, "I'll tell you what you should hate." And then he lists off things. Pharisee, you should hate Pharisaism with a deep living God-like hatred. Ooh. And I said, did Jesus hate the Pharisees with a deep living God-like hatred? Sure. <laughs> so um, that was where I started. But then I looked at, I pointed out the the places where you know, we're already kind of saturated with a sense of the Pharisees are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But then if you just back off a little bit on that, you actually do hear um, many places where if you're not really listening for it as bad guys, you actually hear them sounding like good guys. And it yeah. almost takes you by surprise. Yeah. Can you tell and us so- a little bit more about that? Because I think we don't look for mm-hmm. that. And we probably when we do read it, we just kind of glance over it and not really think about it. Right. 
Or we tend to always assign evil motives. We'll, we'll be really creative in thinking up how rotten these people were and what kind of rotten thing they had in mind, even if they sounded really nice. No, they were rotten anyhow. No, sure. terrible. Yeah. Rotten, rotten, rotten. So obviously you hear them inviting him, inviting Jesus to their communal dinners. Yeah. And in several places. And especially Pharisees, the word prushim, actually, uh-huh. uh, it's about the ones who are kind of separatists. They tend to separate separate away from people who they're who are not as pious and careful about uh, about observing Torah as they are. And so if anybody's going to exclude you, they would. Although actually the the Essenes actually thought they were wimps. And Is that right? they yes, they huh. they they thought that they were they called you can say it they said they were smooth talkers. Yeah. That they that the scenes they they like to be extra tough and extra exclusive, and so the Pharisees were not as strong or tough as the scenes were. So remember that. <laughs> All right, I'll hang on to that. But um, yes, they certainly were inviting Jesus to dinner, which yeah. to me automatically is also automatically ch- changes my opinion a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one place, uh, Luke. 13 one where they say they come to him and say to him and his disciples you need to get out of here Herod is after you and we read it as oh they just hate him and they want they want to scare him away Hmm. or no maybe they've been hearing bad and dangerous things and they're concerned about him (laughs) so you see how we tend to kind of read into their motivations that's right you're not necessarily, you don't have to find those there. And so yeah. my general word of advice to people is don't assume there's always hostile intent behind questions that they ask mm. because you can find parallels in early rabbinic literature of the same discussions they ask him about going on elsewhere. Sure. And it's it's just a discussion. Yeah. It's not. We hate you and we want to get, it. although um, I, I have to say, on the other hand, this is Rabbi Lois. This is, uh, you know, yeah. um, Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye. Yeah. On the one hand, on the other hand, yes. on the other hand, there are places where Jesus gives them a, gives a whoever he's talking to an incredible rebuke. Sure. And we can't ignore those. I keep, uh, I worry about, well, what I see, <clears throat> even as I'm writing about this, I see, you know, oh, Amy Gillivine or other scholars, especially Jews, will talk about, we need to like the Pharisees for the sake of Jewish-Christian relations. Mm. And I and I have a problem with that. That we're going to just chuck out. We're going to throw out words of Jesus because of Jewish Christian relations. Huh. Eh, no, yeah, I, no. I, and there are a lot. I this is generally a problem among. Sorry, um, uh, I come from the world of science where the data must win the debate, mm. and you don't 
just start with your own little mm -hmm. um, sermon that you want to preach and then pretend mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that your mm -hmm. original text support it no matter whether yeah. they don't. <laughs> and right. so um, I see that a lot among religious scholars, I'm, and I wouldn't call them scholars. So I, I'm like, be careful as a scholar not to undermine your own data. So I, wow. I want to make sure people understand that. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that makes sense. It, to yeah, you. I, I, I think I'm following what you're saying that, um, you know, what's presented there before them, we have to take the data and look at it honestly, and not bring our assumptions into what we're reading in the scriptures. Yes. But on the other hand, don't also come up with some sermonette that is going to make you override, that's going to say, no, the Pharisees yeah. were wonderful. Ah, uh, sure. Yeah, so, no, there's yeah. problems. There right. must be problems because Jesus is rebuking them and don't, right. don't go all the way the other way either. So, so then yeah. how do we understand the Pharisees? Were they a group of, so here, here's a thought that I had. Okay. Now, the house of Hillel, the house of Shammai, two different schools of thought. Shammai was right. kind of the, the harder nosed guy. Hillel is a little bit more about compassion and things like that. Mm -hmm. Kind some, of, yes. Yeah. Uh, on most things, right? Not on all things, right? Especially on the issue of divorce. My mm -hmm. thought was, could it be that maybe some of those Pharisees come from the school of Hillel and Shammai and that Jesus is maybe on certain occasions where he's rebuking them, possibly talking to those Pharisees who are a little bit rougher around the edges, who are a little bit more like, we've just got to protect Torah. It's not about compassion. It's not about mercy. And that maybe he was addressing those Pharisees in the rebuking times. And then the times when it was like, oh, come to my house for dinner or, oh, um, you know, hey, we're warning you about Herod. Could it be he was talking to those Pharisees who maybe understood more about mercy and compassion and things like that, depending on which school mm -hmm. of, of thought they came from. Well, I certainly agree that there's um, certainly, yes, what you just pointed out is, yes, that um, that among the early sages, and which we would call Pharisees, the Christians call them Pharisees, if you want to get the scholarly, they would say proto-rabbinic rabbis. Whoa. Jesus was a proto that means before the rabbis, he was a proto-rabbinic sage. Correct. Among the other sages of the time, mm -hmm. um, the, obviously, there was no unity. You can't, we, we tend to, it's almost like a, uh, we tend to assume that every person in a group has exactly the same personality. They've their little mm -hmm. cardboard cutouts that speak mm -hmm. like little robots with a pre-programmed mm -hmm. plan. And what mm -hmm. you just said is pointing out, yes, we we even know historically that there's different there you you're right that Shemai uh the his disciples tend to have really tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And then the Hillelites tend to be the ones that back off uh, 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 when they are having the same discussions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he definitely, and so you know that one thing I point out is Shammai lived maybe about, uh, I believe he died in about 10 BC. 
10 years before Jesus. And then yep. Hillel died a few, like another decade or so after Jesus. So Hillel is 20 years later. Sure. And so I think part of it is that there's there's time passing and the sense of thinking, people are rethinking some of these ideas. And then Jesus mm. is he's interacting with people who are part of this rethinking of the earlier uh. ideas. That's my own opinion. Huh. So yes. that's, that's really mm-hmm. interesting huh. mm-hmm. that maybe some Pharisees were still steeped in that legalism that maybe they learned from the house of Shammai possibly. And yeah. that some, but then they were starting to rethink things through yeah. what they were learning from hello, the elder and when Jesus came onto the scene, he was kind of pushing sort of, back or yeah. inner. And I, I, I wouldn't quite use the word legalism. Okay. I call it strictness. Okay. I, if anything, just carefulness. And, and the one place where we really hear him, um, well, there's a few other places. I think when you start looking a little farther in rabbinic literature, you find, Oh, look where Jesus does land. And, uh, but you mentioned, uh, Jesus' teaching on marriage, he goes with the Shammai, right. uh, which is the stricter version about it, uh, that a uh, man cannot, uh, it's divorce. Yeah. But the thing is, is the, the thing is, is that the, the reading that there, it talks about, um, if a man divorces his wife because of a thing of indecency, um, that's out of Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. Mm-hmm. That literally is about the way, if if you're reading really literally, it means anything that offends him. He, that that is really kind of the most, how can you say, literal reading of the Bible is that a man, in theory, can divorce his wife because of anything that yeah. bothers him. But the Shemaiites were actually... Pushing, no, it means a thing of indecency, which means messing around, committing adultery. Right. That's what it means. They've actually tightened it from a literal reading. And Jesus says, yeah, I agree with them. It should be tighter than that literal reading that uh, that we... You could read it that way. The Shammaiites, I go with them. So he didn't use those words, but that he is right in the middle of an a debate that is going on. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So to wrap up this conversation and next week, we're going to dive in a little bit more about, you kind of mentioned this here that, you know, in in different rabbinic readings, the Pharisees and things like that, they would have these kinds of conversations where it would almost felt like they were fighting with one another. So we're going to have a fun discussion about that next time. But so, you know, based upon what we've talked about today, the fact that at times Jesus did rebuke the Pharisees and other times, you know, he was, I guess, in some degree, um, growing in fellowship with them. How should we understand and read the Pharisees as we read the Gospels and maybe more specifically, you know, as we're teaching these things and teaching the Bible to teenagers, to young people um, who are having their own questions about the Bible? Well, I guess I would say, assume complexity. Don't don't put a carbon. Don't put a easy, simple stereotype on them. Mm-hmm. Assume that when they ask a question, it's legitimate. Sure. Like when, if you think about it, if if there's some random teacher wandering around, 
uh, the hillside and he's teaching, they're kind of almost obligated that they need to ask him tough questions. What on earth are you up to? Mm -hmm. Are you nuts? And so it is really an obligation on their part to see if he is leading them into crazy heresy or something. So I, I can see why they are pushing back on what he's saying. Why do you say this? Tell me why. And yeah. so, yeah, um, consider that, put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. and consider if maybe sometimes their questions might be legitimate. Mm. Right. And, and rather than I was looking for an ugly reason behind everything that they might ask Jesus. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're honest questions because they care about the Torah and mm -hmm. they wanted to help others know God. And, you know, to some degree, and Mark and I have talked a lot about this, that the Pharisees were trying to put a fence around Torah because they were trying to not have um, a Babylonian exile again. Right. And so a lot yeah. of the reactions to Jesus were based on, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this going to send us in exile again? Right. right? Like, I would think the same. Honest, I really, I really totally resonate with them. Yeah. <laughs> when I see how fast our world has been changing, you know, with mm -hmm. our new sexual morals or whatever, I'm like, you know, Jesus, you might be want to back off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm, so I'm. I can empathize with them. Sure. It it adds, it, it helps you understand the text better if you don't just make it simple by kind of painting them black in order to get a, it's easy um, to, um, it's a kind of a preacher trick, is if you want Jesus to glow like a diamond, mm -hmm. you paint everything around him really black. Sure. Everything, everybody around him is evil and rotten, and he's sure. the most glowing, most wonderful thing. But restrain yourself from those habits and try to um, bring yourself into the that world more um, and at, let people be honest and trying to understand forthright and not not try to Absolutely. Um, make it so simple. That's great. That's great. Well, this has been a fun discussion, Lois, on the Pharisees and how we should rethink them in our readings of the gospels and our understandings of who they were and what their motivations were. So friends, thanks for joining us for the first century youth ministry podcast. Definitely tune in to next week because we're going to dive in further and even ask the question, is it possible that Jesus would have been considered a part of the Pharisees group in the first century. Whoa, I just flipped you all on your lid a little bit. So join us for next week and we're going to have a great discussion with Lois. So we'll see you again next time. Bye. Bye.